The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz. I'm here today with Joe Madison. He is the executive director of the demand reduction organization, Love People, Not Pixels. Joe, thanks so much for being on Engaging Truth. Yeah, thank you, Matt. This is exciting. I've been looking forward to it all day. Busy day, and I kept looking at my watch thinking, it's not five yet. I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump into it. We're ready to talk to you, and we're, we're excited to learn about the work that your organization does. Uh, so why don't we start there? Uh, okay. Tell us uh, about Love People, Not Pixels. What's its mission? What do you guys do? Yeah, so we, we, have, we do quite a bit. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with sort of this description. Our goal is to eliminate human trafficking by addressing demand. Um, we want to understand not just why would somebody, um, you know, pay for sex or uh, pornography or anything like that. We want to know why does that person want to do that and why is it so easy and acceptable to do so. So we ask ourselves two questions. Anytime we take action as an organization, we ask ourselves those two questions. Why would anybody want to buy another person or exploit another person? And the second one is, why is it so easy and acceptable to do so? That gives us sort of a guideline for how to take action. And we'll, I'm sure we'll dig into it in detail, but the, the, the bigger picture is that we truly believe that if no one is buying, then no one's being sold. We work with wonderful organizations, partners that um, are serving survivors and, and overcomers. As one of my friends who is a survivor, she likes to call herself an overcomer, and she is that. Um, they work with them. We want to make sure that we are eliminating the motivation to buy and the access to exploit people. So help our listeners understand, because I, you know, my assumption is that there are people out there who, who really don't understand that there, that there really is this world where human beings are getting caught up into being um, used as, 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 as objects for the sexual gratification uh, of others. Um, and it's a life uh, of enslavement that is very difficult to extricate yourself from. Um, mm. Help our listeners understand that this world really does exist. Yeah, it is hard to, number one, come to terms that it's not happening somewhere. Uh, it's happening wherever you are. And while that may seem like an overstatement to some, let me explain that. The formula for trafficking, uh, for, for someone to be trafficked, is typically, it really just comes down to this. Somebody willing to exploit them, somebody willing to pay to exploit them, and then somebody who's vulnerable. And when we have that combination we find that trafficking is not only not only here in America, but it's it's quite prevalent. In fact, we're the number one consumer of illicit uh, illegal sex in the world. And and so when we realize that it is here, we have to ask ourselves, well, what does that mean? Where where is it? Is it just in the bad neighborhoods? Well, no. It's it's anywhere that there is a demand for it. And demand we will define in many different ways when we talk to a group. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, Matt. So I, I saw a group of parents last week 
And uh, they know we're a demand reduction org that fights trafficking. But we were talking to them and their kids about raising families in a hypersexualized culture. And they were asking, so how does that connect, porn and trafficking? Well, when we consume something like pornography, it creates a demand for more of that product. As such, that demand requires what? Supply. And supply is sadly often fulfilled via human trafficking. And so we see that it's not just happening somewhere, it's it's happening here. Wow. And and it's and it's not just um women who are caught up into this, um as if that isn't bad enough, but it's 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 children too, right? Yeah. yeah. Sadly, depending on the statistics, and, and we're pretty pretty hesitant to throw statistics out there just for the sake of statistics. We use them usually as the beginning of a talking point to give context, but one of the fastest growing demographics in exploitation are young boys. Um, and, and again, sadly, the supply and demand model exists. There, um, there, are, there are measures of depravity that, that come with pornography, uh, that come with exploitation. And as people go into what I've developed in, in what we call with Love People Not Pixels, the escalation dynamic, where they start maybe with softcore pornography and then they kind of stair step into hardcore because that's the way that industry is designed to draw you in. Um, we could talk all day about that. The fact of the matter is softcore pornography, uh, nearly 90% of that has violence against women in it, whether it's degrading language, uh, some sort of, of hitting something. And that's what's considered softcore. And, and that starts to map our brains. And so that escalation into hardcore pornography has so many categories that are, are very disturbing. Um, we talk to men who are at the point of arrest. We had an operation last night. And when we talk to these men, we ask them if they have an issue with pornography, if this is something that is is part of their, their world. And to a man, yes, they do. Um, we also ask them, are you watching the same pornography you were when you started watching porn? or even three months ago or, or three years ago. And we realize that that's not the case. They, they have escalated into something that before they would probably would have been uh, completely disgusted by, or they would have found to be, oh, well, not that. I'm not going to watch that. So we have to understand that there is a process in this escalation that happens. And sadly, young people and children are, are, are part of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think an important part of what you said, I mean, so, so much of it is so, so sad and important at the same time, uh, is that uh, the, the, the pornography that is consumed by our culture, it comes from somewhere mm. and at the cost of someone, yeah. um, that, that there are people, human beings who have to be brought into a lifestyle that, um, and, uh, and a setting that, that manufactures and makes these things. Mm. Um, it doesn't fall out of the sky. It, 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 it comes from a process and involves real people, which, which, which brings me to my, my next question. In, in, in recent weeks, there was a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of uproar culturally about a Netflix documentary called yeah. Cuties, mm-hmm. uh, which, which tried to depict the, the hypersexualization of young girls, but it utilized young girls in the depiction of this hyper-sexualized culture that we live in. And, and, th- and there were many who understandably were, were very bothered by this and uh, were, were pushing for Netflix to take it down or for people to boycott Netflix as a result. And, and what I wanted to, to ask you, Joe, is 
you know, is there a connection between something like between between something like this 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 Netflix show, which sexualizes young people at the expense of young people in making this depiction, yeah. and the the work that you're doing to try and get human beings out of human trafficking? Yes. Uh, the answer, the short answer is yes, but I'm not capable of a short answer, so I'll give that a few layers. Um, yes, uh, we. We look at a show like Cuties and the sexual nature of it. Uh, I've actually heard people make the argument that, well, this was this was telling a story about the pressures of being a young girl and wanting to fit in and being willing to do whatever. I can I can understand that. I, I, I can see that that's a reality. But there's a risk reward to putting something out like this documentary, as they're calling it, or this this not documentary. Sorry, this this uh, expression of what this, uh, you know, young and and preteen life is like, the risk reward is completely imbalanced. We know that girls are exploited and pressured very early in their life to be sexual beings, so much earlier than they should be. Um, and as such, we also know that there is a growing demand for younger and younger people to be involved in something sexually explicit, whether it's pornography or, or whatever else. So as we talk about cuties, we have to ask ourselves, what are we what are we most upset about? Are are we most upset that Netflix showed it? Are we upset that it was ever made in the first place and, and won awards at a film festival? Um, I would even go one step back further. Now I don't know if you've ever been in a commercial or on television, um, but there's about five steps that you go through. One is you get there and it's uh, it's wardrobe, and then the next is makeup. And then the next is sort of a scene cast. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we should look like. That's before you even talk to the director. Uh, and then there is kind of the set design and, 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 and when you get out there, how you'll behave. And then the director gives you corrective direction. These girls in this video, are, in this, this show, are not only representing young girls, but they are young girls. To make this film, that was five levels of adults that had to say, no, no, when you do that, I want you to put your finger in your mouth, or I want you to simulate a sexual act, or I want you to be lower on the ground. You know, it's disturbing just to create it. Um, and, and, and so we ask ourselves, which part of that are we most concerned about? And, and does it connect uh, to the world of, of pornography or, or human trafficking? Anything that's a trigger, anything that uh, that is sexually explicit, um, there is going to be some search for it somewhere. And I'll give you an example. Something as trivial as a video game. So Fortnite is a very popular video game. Adults, young people play it. Um, I don't know. It's probably, I don't know, 50 million across the world. Well, their servers went down in October of last year. One of the most prominent pornography sites proudly in their year-end report showed that their search for Fortnite-related themed pornography, I didn't even know there was such a thing, went up 170%. This is a video game. So if, if we don't stop for a second and ask ourselves if exploitation is a trigger and then that pushes us toward pornography and pornography is human trafficking's greatest commercial, then I don't think we're asking the right questions. Uh, there, there's a real concern there. 
Now, this isn't to to say everybody should cancel Netflix. If that's your personal choice, then, hey, uh, I support that if that's what you want to do. But ask yourself also, how much evaluation have I done with the streaming services? And we can pick Netflix because we're talking about it. Uh, I did a little research because in one of our presentations, we talk about the algorithm and how it dumps down information that should line up with your algorithm for you to watch next. Well, my wife got something that was very... Uh, very far outside of her algorithm of what she normally watches. And I said, click on that. Let me see the thumbnails. And sure enough, it was a TVMA. But then I started to think about Netflix and their content. And at the time I looked at this, it was about four or five months ago, 64% of Netflix's content was TVMA. Now, we're in 2020. Now, back this up 15, 20 years ago, TVMA was beyond R. Uh, it wasn't, there wasn't a TVMA. There was just MA, mature audiences in movie theaters, and it was beyond a rated R rating. Uh, now we've seen the scale slide. We've seen us relax what is tolerable, what is acceptable in the name of art. And then we start to have that type of precedent set. And then it becomes really part of the go-to programming. So think about that in terms of cuties. If we just shrug our shoulders and say it's art, they're telling a story. If you don't like it, don't watch it. That's way too passive a stance to understanding what is next, because we will see much more programming like that, especially considering the attention that it got, if we're not very clear in what we have issues with about it. To your point, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it creates a demand. I mean, you, you, and, uh, you know, Netflix or whoever could say that it's it's there for, enlightenment or educational purposes but in order to enlighten and educate you know that's this is this is the the difficulty with something like sexually explicit material in order to enlighten and educate about sexually explicit material they're choosing a path that that means you have to expose people to sexually explicit material it's like saying to someone hey we we want to we want to enlighten you about the reality of drugs here try some that's that's what's happening Um, And, and, and when it's happening with somebody who's 18 or older can we understand it's a portrayal? They've made an adult decision, uh, and that is a different story. Now, when we take those same standards and we apply them to children, not even counting the number that auditioned, right? These are the ones that are in the show. There were so many that auditioned and had to go through the same dance routines. I mean, there's a multitude that we're not considering here. And this isn't about being pious and mor- morally judgmental. This is about health. This is about what is uh, what is a measure of exposure and exploitation? That's a different category. Yeah, Joe, your organization has developed um, a timeline, um, and I'd love for you to, to talk about that to our listeners. Uh, what do you mean when you talk about the timeline? Yeah, uh, the timeline is something that I developed because I think I just wasn't smart enough to explain all of the areas that we're working on. Um, to me. I needed to I needed to address the if I was talking to a parent, I would have a very different conversation. If I was talking to a young person in a training, different conversation. If I was talking to a man on the street in handcuffs like we were last night, that's a very different conversation. So what we decided to do is to plot that on a timeline starting at nine years old. Well, why nine? Nine is the average age for first exposure to pornography. That's let's just let that sit in. There are so many levels of concern there, but so many times when we talk about trafficking or or exploitation, we talk about either a boy or a girl. We've got to understand if that nine-year-old is exposed to pornography, boy and girl, a couple things start to form. Their thought is, is crystallizing 
oh, I guess this is what it is to be a boy in a relationship, yeah. or I guess this is what it is to be a girl in a relationship. That's heartbreaking. And, and, and they're not going to tell anybody because of the violent and aggressive and, and shameful nature of what they might feel when they see it. So they're not going to go to their parents for clarification. So now we've got kids that are seeing things that are a terrible representation of what love and sexuality is supposed to be. And we're seeing it over and over and it creates it. So we move on up the timeline a little bit at right around 13 years old. Well, studies are showing more and more uh, that. If a girl is to be exploited, not trafficked, but to, to be exploited uh, in America, it's happening around that age mm-hmm. and usually by somebody she knows. Um, so that is sad. But that's also about the same age that we're giving our kids smartphones. So unlimited access to everything and beyond after nine or ten years old being their first exposure to, to pornography. So they didn't forget that they saw that that nine <laughs> and then we gave them access to it. We fast forward a little bit and going up to about. Uh, 15 years old. By 15 years old, uh, we estimate about 80% of boys in middle school, high school have seen pornography or actively seeking it out and watching it. Now, with that same segment, if we were to look at this timeline, let's say we had 100 survivors in a room. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll call them females. Uh, and these are all females. Of those 100, the largest segment of them that were trafficked would be right in that age group between 15 and 17. Um, and again, it's exploitation. And again, it's it's a manifestation of what the demand is and beyond. And so then we go on up to 18 years old. Hey, congratulations, you're an adult, you're a man. Well, right of passage would be something like boys are going to strip clubs. You know, you can get into, I think it's six strip clubs in Houston. At an eight, as an 18-year-old, but you get your hand stamped because we can't let you drink, but here you are. Feel free to be a consumer of commercial sex. Um, that's also about the age that girls are aging out of the foster care system. And then finally, 21 uh, is one of the average ages of, of first actual illicit sex purchase by buyers. Um, and that's that's something that we look at on bookends of the timeline that it's all related. And so we developed our programs to address each segment. Defend Home is a workshop that we do, and it talks to parents and kids about hypersexual uh, culture and making decisions about that. Then we move up to Defend Hearts. That's how to work with somebody who may be struggling with an unwanted sexual compulsion. Uh, I'm defending a guy right now. We had a conversation this morning. He said, dude, I haven't watched porn in 17 days. And for some, they snicker at that. For me, I said, when's the last time you hadn't watched porn for 17 days? And he stopped. He's quiet. And he said, I can't remember, but it's been probably five or six years. This is a huge victory for him. That doesn't mean he's done and he's out of the woods. It just means that somebody came alongside and was willing to work with him in uh, in, in empathy-based and vulnerability-based, non-judgmental way and work going forward. And then finally, defend community. That's that's a series of programs on how we we address the illicit massage businesses, the over 300 in Houston um, in a safe way. And we have the community rise up in a way that shuts them down and keeps them closed. Joe, as people have their eyes opened to the reality of um, and the really the pervasiveness of, of pornography in our culture, and how it, it not only harms the people who consume it, but it harms uh, a, a whole world of people who are involved in the production of it. Hmm. As their eyes are open to this, that's, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of uh, traumatic information to take in, right? Yeah. Um, 
what are some of the things that you you uh, you suggest as a next step for those who are are being enlightened to the reality of this problem? Yeah, man, that, that's such an important question, Matt. Um, I've been to awareness presentations, and I leave thinking, well, now I'm completely stirred up and worried and paranoid. What do we do about it, right? Um, very early on when I was volunteering, I noticed that. Um, so everything that we do, we're really not so much awareness as we are preparedness. Yeah, we'll spend about the first 15 minutes of a presentation letting you know what the risks are, what the outlets are for trafficking, and even beyond that, you know, uh, pornography or, or hypersexualized culture. But then we're going to work on getting you equipped at that point. So if it's Love People Not Pixels, you'd come to one of our workshops. If you're a parent that's concerned and you're hearing some of this for the first time, um, we talk about who's talking to your kid about sex, your family about, about pornography, uh, how to talk to them about pornography, and how to have some uh, technology plans and agreed upon approaches to being a family in a hypersexualized culture. So that's Defend, Heart, Defend Home. Um, you know, Defend Hearts for us, our training really does focus in on a, a method of how to connect people with lasting resources, whether it's a support group, whether it's therapy, or whether it's just accountability partners. Um, and then if you're really worried about the brothels or other things in our city, uh, Defend Community is a remarkable way to kind of learn more about action we can take as communities to take back this territory. Um, and do so in a safe but replicable way. Uh, but there are so many organizations that really have great resources. And if anybody ever has a question about how to get involved, they can email us at defender at lpnp.org. And if we don't do it, we'll certainly connect you with one of our friends that does something that you might be interested in to learn more. And is lpnp.org the place they can go to learn about all the services that Love People Not Pixels provides? Yes, yeah. Lovepeoplenotpixels.org. You can tell we got a pretty unique name, so there's very little chance of you typing and getting the wrong web, web address. So it'll be lpnp.org. And when that takes you there, you'll actually have an opportunity to learn about uh, the different programs that we do, but also to watch some videos. There's even a video on there that talks about how your brain is changed when you watch pornography. That's something that doesn't really come come about intuitively. You, you don't realize that until you start to talk about it. Because the fact of the matter is, when your brain associates that screen and what they're seeing with sex and sexuality, it changes something. Our brains are neuroplasticity, right? They change, and so we create these neural pathways. And now, I'm not identifying sex and sexuality the way God intended with another person that I care and committed to. Now, my association is to my phone or to that laptop or desktop. So and so, there is a term called uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction for men. They're not, their mind is not connecting that person with sexuality and with intimacy. It's the device. And so there's a video on there that you can learn more about what that looks like and, and things that you can do to kind of reverse that. Uh, so we have some partner videos on there. We also have a number of uh, of ways to get involved. If you decide that you want to be a defender, that's what we call our volunteers. If you want to be a defender, you click on it to become a defender and it gives you sort of a drop down with some options to learn more. So if you'd like to learn more uh, about Joe's work with Love People Not Pixels, you can head to lpnp.org. Joe, I'm so thankful that you took the time to be with us here on Engaging Truth. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, it was an honor. Thanks, Matt. Hey, and thank you for listening in. And before we go, just a reminder, 
that if you have struggled with pornography, that if you're currently struggling with it, not only can you get help for that struggle through organizations like, like Joe's, but first and foremost, we'd love for you to know that you are forgiven and loved by our God, that Jesus Christ has died for the things that you've done. He forgives the past that's behind you, and he secures a future in which you walk in mercy and grace. And so our invitation to you is that you would enjoy and receive and believe that gift, that there is mercy and grace for you, no matter what you've done in Jesus Christ. And may that gift give you peace tonight. And so we're able to meet again and have more great discussions like this one on Engaging Truth. Bye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.